In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday uh, of the Coptic month of Hatur, and the reading that we read in the Gospel today is a reading about discipleship, when Christ is speaking to the people about what does it cost to be a disciple. And he gives a few examples. One of the examples he gives, he speaks about a king that is going to war against another king in Luke 14 and verse 31. It says, Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks condition of peace. So this example that Christ gives is like uh, our discipleship, that we, in order to be a disciple of Christ, that we have to sit with ourselves and consider and to plan ahead and say, what is required, what is necessary for me to do in order to accept this discipleship? We read, for instance, in the story of the rich young ruler, for him specifically, what Christ called him to do to become a disciple was to detach himself from the love of money and to follow the Lord. And of course, we know that in the case of the rich young ruler, he was not able to do so. But this is what Christ is, is calling us for. He's, he's calling us to ask this question, what is it that we need to do in order to prepare for this war? So we need to be aware that there is this war happening. We, we look at this example of this king, that we are in this war, and this is a war that we are waging every day, and we can either choose to fight in the war, or we can choose to become victims of the war. Because whether we choose to fight or we don't choose to fight, the war is ongoing, and the war is raging, and the war is constant. And if we look at all of the things that the Lord has said about the devil and his kingdom all throughout scriptures, we see that what he is a roaring lion seeking whom that he may devour, that he is untiring, he is unceasing, that he is crafty, that he is powerful, that he never stops working against us and against the Lord for our entire life. And so he is the one who is waging this war against us, and he is using our own weaknesses, our own vulnerabilities against us to destroy us. St. Cyril of Alexandria, he speaks about the enemies that we have in this war. He says, we also have a crowd of other enemies. They are the fleshly mind, the law that rages in our members, passions of many kinds, the lust of pleasure, the lust of the flesh, the lust of wealth, and others. We must wrestle with these. This is our savage troop of enemies. How will we conquer? We will conquer believing that in God we shall do courageously, as scripture says, and he will bring to nothing those who oppress us. So here this war that St. Cyril is speaking about comes in many different ways, and it is something that we always need to be uh, aware of. Also, we need to be aware that we are the ones that are responsible for the fight. Okay, we are the king in this, in this example, right? In this analogy, when Christ is speaking about a king, we are the king. We are the ones responsible for waging this war, right? And to planning ahead. And each of us has this war that we should be raging. Um, it cannot be waged by somebody else, right? Like, like let's say maybe for younger people, um, I'm in the family and my parents are religious and they go to church and they read the Bible and they pray and they do all these different religious activities. And I kind of grew up doing these things. I grew up doing it with them right? But at some point, I will be responsible for myself, and I have to ask myself the question, am I choosing to do this? Am I doing things simply because other people are doing it and I'm following them? Or am I doing it because I am like the leader of my own spiritual life? I am the one responsible for my own spiritual life, and I'm waging this war myself. 
St. Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Each of us is to stand before this judgment seat. Each of us that Christ will ask us, what is it that you have done? What kind of war did you wage? So we are responsible for this planning, right? This planning that Christ is speaking about here in this spiritual warfare. And so we'll ask ourselves, what kind of planning can we do? What is the plan? When we are standing and, and we are thinking to ourselves that I am in this war, that I am this king that is planning a war against an enemy, and the enemy is an enemy that is stronger than me. Because he is saying here, the enemy has an army of 20,000, and I only have an enemy of 10, I only have an army of 10,000, right? So if I have, am limited in my resources, if I have a smaller army than this other uh, king that I'm going to, to war against, what is it that I should do? The first thing that I need to do in this war, in planning for this war, is that I should know my enemy, right? How much do we fail and fall simply because we are not aware that we are in a war? Look at the world, if we look at the world around us. The world lives as though that their lives will last forever and that this world is the only world that exists and that the, the goals that we make for ourselves here are the most important goals and there is nothing else beyond this place that we are. In Joshua 1.8, when Joshua was speaking about the Word of God, the Book of the Law, he said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Okay? When God is speaking to us about the book of the law, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, that we are to meditate on it day and night, that we are to observe what it says, and then, and then we will be prosperous, prosperous, we will be successful. Okay? So we ask ourselves, do I know the Word of God? Do I know? Do I meditate on the book of the law? Do I read the Word of God and understand it? When we go through our lives day after day after day, it's easy for us to forget the Word of God unless we are meditating on it on a regular basis, unless we are always thinking about it. This world is filled with so many distractions, so many pitfalls, so many things that drag our attention away from God. And as I said, <clears throat> the, the world around us is full of such calamity, you know, especially everyone is making fun of the year 2020, you know. It's sad to think that there might be more years like this in the future. You know, Christ actually told us that there will be more calamities that are coming in the future. How am I prepared for these? How am I prepared for such things? Do I look at the world around me and I say, this is a great place, I really wish I could enjoy myself here. Or maybe the lesson that we learned from this year is that this world doesn't hold and offer as much good things as we imagine them to hold, right? Maybe God is showing us through everything here. It's like this place is not as attractive as you might have thought that it was. There are a lot of problems here. There's a lot of despair here. There's a lot of sadness here. There's a lot of difficulties here. And that those difficulties are not things that can be solved by man. But those are intended to be solved by God because God is offering us a place that is free from all of these calamities, that is free from all of these problems that we are suffering from. So in order for us to realize this, in order for us to be aware, in order for our eyes to be opened and enlightened, so that we, instead of focusing on the world that is here now, and that we despair because of the problems that are in it, 
Instead, we begin to open our eyes and to see what is beyond this world, right? To be aware of the spiritual things, of the spiritual realities beyond this world. But it is impossible for me to be aware of these things unless I know the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that we are in a war. The Word of God tells us that we have an enemy and tells us that this enemy is, is, is raging his war against us on a daily basis and that we are called to stand and fight in this war. If we do not read God's word, then we are maybe oblivious to this. We consider that everything that happens in our life is random. We consider that there is no meaning or sense or purpose <coughs> in, in the world. And yet the word of God tells us otherwise. So the first step in planning against an enemy is we have to know the enemy. We have to read the word of God to know him. Also, in order for us to plan for this fight, we have to be prepared and seeking power from God, right? Because his resources are greater than our resources. Again, he has the 20,000, he has the army of 20,000, and we have the army of 10,000. What does that mean? I and myself do not have the resources, the capability of fighting. You know, sometimes we think that we can overcome sin in our own strength. Sometimes we think that I can forgive my enemies in my own strength. Sometimes we think that I can be successful in my life, that I can raise my kids, that I can have patience, that I can stop losing my temper, that I can stop lust, that I can stop gossip, that I can be the model Christian person that I want to be in my own strength. But it's very clear, actually, in Scripture that this is not possible. It is only through the work of God, it is only through the work of the Holy Spirit, can I begin even to embark on this journey of virtue. That I can even begin to embark on this, on, on this, on, on this journey of becoming Christ-like. Right? In Zechariah 4.6, it says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Right? It is not through the, our sheer force. It is not through sheer effort. It is not because we are clever. It is not because we are mighty and powerful. It is because we have the Lord with us. Right? And the minute we acknowledge in ourselves that we do not have what it takes on our own, is the minute the, 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 the Spirit of God works mightily in us. We should compare ourselves to the Israelites that stood at the shore of the Red Sea. We are not a powerful army. We do not have all of the, the, the weapons of war, all the machinery of war. We don't have all the battle plans. But we trust that when the army of the enemy is coming to attack, that God will make a way of victory and success, even if it means to part the sea that we walk through. Right? This is the war that we are fighting. You know, sometimes we, we fight against a war, uh, a war against maybe sinful desires, um, you know, or the, 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 the sins, the habitual sins that we have been falling into for years and years and years, and maybe we are beginning to lose hope even that we can overcome. But we ask ourselves, are we bringing God into this fight with us, or am I trying to have victory in this on my own? Am I just trying hard, or am I praying and asking God for victory? Am I fasting and asking God for victory? Am I seeking uh, God in the sacraments and, and seeking victory through Him? Or am I simply seeking victory apart from Him on my own through my sheer effort? The third thing to keep in mind when we are planning for this war is to avoid the pitfalls. And one of the ways that we avoid the pitfalls is seeking wise counsel. <clears throat> in Proverbs 12, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. 
<coughs> we are often blinded by our own desires, by our own sins, by our own biases, by our own lack of experience. Oftentimes we think we know what is right to be done. And we begin to pursue this course of action without, being, without fully understanding what we are doing. How is it that we know and get confirmation that my course of action, the decisions that I'm making in my life are right, is that I can seek godly counsel, that I would find someone who I trust, whether it be a father of confession or another godly person that I trust, and I, and I present my thoughts and I present my ideas and I present my plans to this person, and I say, this is my plan, what do you think? No, I'm seeking to marry such and such a person. What do you think? Is this person going to be a, a right person for me? Is this person going to help lead me toward my salvation? Or is this a person that's actually going to lead me to destruction? Because maybe in that moment we are biased, we are blinded by our, by our emotions, we are blinded by our desires, and so we do not see clearly. When this king who has the 10,000 member army is going against the king that has 20,000. Maybe he should stop and say, well, what do we need to do to have victory? Am I able to win this war? Or is this a slaughter? Am I going to be slaughtered? Am I, are the decisions that I'm making in my life going to result in my inevitable defeat? Right? Or maybe if I go and I seek counsel from someone, they'll tell me, no, this is not the right course of action. You need to change. You need to do something else. Right? Maybe some other course of action is here. And this kind of highlights and illustrates the need for the body of Christ together. Like we are not Christians as individuals. We are not Christians simply each person in their own house living as individuals. And maybe we have felt this all the more in, in this year when we are struggling to even meet together, to be able to have fellowship with one another like we used to have, when the body of Christ can meet together and worship God. And more and more people are thinking, well, I can stay in my own homes. I can worship over the internet. You know, I can have a relationship with God over the internet, right? We need one another. God made it such that he uses one person in order to help another person. You know, is it possible that I would pray and ask God for guidance and counsel and that God would give it to me directly? Of course, God can do all things. But how does he choose to work? Oftentimes he chooses to work by giving a word of wisdom to one person who then shares it with another person, and then this is the way that we find the answer to the questions that we have, the direction that we want to go. We were not intended to live in isolation. We were intended to get counsel from one another, to have fellowship from one another. And that's why he says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The person who doesn't seek counsel, the person who doesn't want to hear other people's opinion, the person who simply is um, stubbornly wanting to move forward with their plan, is someone who is considered to be a fool. But the person who is wise is the one who is open to other ideas, to other options, the one who wants to hear, what do you think about what it is that I'm choosing to do or what it is that I want to do? So if we want to be successful in the war, then we have to make sure that we are making good choices and we have to seek counsel in order to do so. Another way that we prepare for the war <coughs> is training. And one of the ways of training is fasting. You know, we are now in the fasting period for the Nativity Fast, um, before the, 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 the Feast of the Nativity. And so part of how the Church has appointed, has instructed us to s discipline ourselves spiritually is through fasting. That we are denying ourselves something that we enjoy, we are denying ourselves something that is good, we are denying ourselves something that we desire in order to train ourselves to say no. 
in order to have self-control. This is the, one of the main purposes of fasting, to teach us to have self-control. But even as we are fasting, sometimes we are tricked, we are deceived into thinking that this fasting is just about food, that all we are doing is changing from one type of food to another type of food, and we endure it maybe for the period of time of the fasting if we are fasting, and then after the fast is done, we go back to our regular food, and that is all that we have benefited from this fast. But if we read actually, what does God say to the people about fasting? He says something completely different than just change your food. He says what in Isaiah 58 verse 6? He says, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? This is, this is all spiritual work that, that God is talking about. Loose the bonds of wickedness. This should be one of the purposes of the fast. Right? In my fasting, I am called to do what? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Right? Whatever wickedness that I might have in my life, God is asking me to loose it. Whatever heavy burdens I have in my life, God is asking me to undo them. Whatever maybe way that I oppress other people or mistreat other people, God is asking me to stop doing this. Right? Everything that I am in bondage to, Right? That should be the goal of my fast, is to break the bondage that I have in all of these things. And this is part of the training in the war. Because if I am able to control myself in, in these small things in, with the fasting, if I'm able to control myself in these things, then I'll be able to control myself in the bigger things. A person who has been faithful with a little bit, God will give him more. Right? This is, we learn this from the parable of the talents. We cannot endure the spiritual warfare without the training. Right? We're not able to endure the spiritual warfare without the training. If you look at actual soldiers in the army or any of the branches of the military, they, they spend more time training than they do in actual warfare. Right? Because whenever they're not in warfare, they're training. That's what they do, training and training and training again and again and again and again, and they're constantly training all the time. We could, should not expect that someone who has never been in any type of training, if you just throw them in the war, that they would be successful. They, they wouldn't know how to, to operate. They wouldn't know how to function, right? Because they're not ready or prepared. So the church has set for us these periods of fasting to help us in preparation for the war so that we are always prepared and always thinking, how is it that I can be in discipline? The training is a constant thing. Also, as part of training for the war and, and planning for the war, we are called to correct our mistakes whenever we make mistakes. And this the church has provided for us confession. In Proverbs 28.13, it says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. This is what, this is failure. This is what happens when we fail. What happens when we are in this warfare and we fail? We didn't do everything right. We wanted to, we tried to, but we didn't. We messed up in the war. Maybe we got wounded, right, while we are fighting in this war, and we did not succeed the way that we want it to succeed. What is our recourse? What is our response? Do we just give up the war and we say, I'm not fighting anymore? You know, oftentimes this is our first response whenever there's a failure. For instance, when I'm trying to have a good relationship with a person that I have difficulty having a relationship with, and I find myself not able to do it, maybe my first response is, I'm quitting. I'm not even going to try to have a relationship with this person anymore. Whenever I have a sin that I'm trying to overcome, and I pray about it very hard, and I fast about it, and I struggle with it, but then I end up committing the sin anyway. Maybe our first instinct is, there's no way that I can win in this, in this uh, fight, and so I'm just going to give up completely. 
But the church has actually provided for us a recourse, a way for us to respond. God has told us what is it that we should do when we fail, and it is not to quit. What we should do is we should repent. We should say, okay, I made a mistake, I failed in this, but God, you are giving me another chance. And so I am confessing my sin. I am confessing that I did something I shouldn't have done, and God wipes it away. Right? Sometimes in our own pride, we don't want to acknowledge that we are, have failed in some way, and we feel bad even to try again, and it's easier for us to just give up because we don't enjoy seeing ourselves failing. We don't enjoy seeing ourselves to try something and fail. It was easier for us just to avoid it altogether. But this isn't what God is calling us for. He's calling us to keep struggling and striving for perfection, for virtue. The only way that I can achieve this is if I don't give up, which is the last point. In this parable, in this example that Christ gave, he said what in the end? That if we find that we are not able to go up against this enemy, this king, then we make peace with him. But when we're speaking about spiritual warfare, what does it mean to, mean to make peace with the enemy? It means to make peace with the devil. And how do we make peace with the devil? It means that we stop struggling against him, that we give in to him, that whatever impulses that he uh, gives us, whatever desires he places in us, whatever evil sinful thoughts he puts in us, instead of even standing and trying to fight against them, instead of making any effort at all to flee from sin, we simply accept everything that he gives. We accept his thoughts, we accept the desires, we do the things that we want to do, we give our flesh absolutely everything because we feel like we, we can't fight, we've given up on this fight. So this is what it means to make peace with the devil. And this is by no means, we as Christians, what is it that we should choose? In Proverbs 18 it says, He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Right? He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Meaning when we are failing to work, when we are not active in our fight, right, then we are brother to the great destroyer. Who is the great destroyer? It is the devil. He is the great destroyer. It's like we become friends with him. I, said, I, don't, I don't even want to try. I don't want to make any effort at all. He will never stop fighting us. He will never stop deceiving us. He will never stop causing us to fall. And if we give in to him, then we have become victims of him. We have completely been consumed by him. So even though it might seem that every time we stand, we get knocked down again, this is actually a very virtuous life. This is actually a very righteous life. Christ calls those who fall and get up again as righteous and not wicked. The wicked are those who fall and stay down. They don't get up again. They don't try again. They don't, they don't make any effort to get up again, to change again, to try to fast again, to try to pray again, to come to church again, to, to, to make a plan for overcoming sin again. Right? This is the war. This is the war that we are in. And as I said at the beginning, we have to realize that this war is a real war, that we are really here in this war all the time, and not to be distracted by this life that offers us so many luxuries and so many trinkets and so many things that are attractive, that cause us to forget the warfare and instead to seek after these other things. To imagine that we are living in this life forever, this is the deception. This is the deception of this world. God wants us to realize <coughs> that there is a far greater place, that there is a far better place, and that we should be living for that life and not for this one. So in the reading for today, Christ speaks about discipleship. What does it take to be my disciple? Does it take simply 
um, an affirmation of God's existence? Does it take simply a belief in Christ? Does it take simply a prayer? Does it take simply one act that we do? Actually, Christ says, if you want to be my disciple, it is going to war. This is what you're choosing. You're choosing to be in a war. You're choosing to subject yourself to this, and you're choosing never to stop fighting. You're choosing to realize that this war is real, and that you need to prepare yourself for, for it. So in this period of fasting that we're in now, this is a part of the preparation. We are actually preparing ourselves for the coming of Christ that we celebrate in the Nativity Feast. And so let's consecrate this fast, as God has said, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke, as God told Israel. That this is a fast that we are truly, truly fighting. We are in battle in this war, and that we know that regardless of what is the outcome of our effort, whether our effort results in me stopping certain sins that I've been struggling with, or whether it means that those sins stay in my life, it actually doesn't matter. What matters is our effort. What matters is that what I am choosing to do, because in the end, we are saved by God's grace. If God in his grace and his mercy wants to remove a certain sin or battle or struggle or temptation from me, this is his, this is his business. This is his will. Does he want to do it? Does he not want to do it? In the end, he's not holding me accountable for everything I do. He's holding me accountable for my, my effort. Are you trying to stand again? Are you trying to fight in this war? Are you, are you trying to plan? Are you trying? Or are you, have, you, have you given up completely? And so may God grant us that we would always see the war in front of our eyes and feel consolation and joy that of God's presence with us in this war and that he is helping us to have victory and to succeed. And glory be to God forever. Amen.